0: Good morning, Ohana. I am indeed um, Pastor Mark's dad. Please don't hold that against me. Actually, I'm honored to be Pastor Mark's dad, and I'm blessed just to be in a support role. If you're new to the church, uh, just to be in a support role to Pastor Mark and his team and the entire church. That name, uh, oh, and um, Ohana, is such a beautiful term, isn't it? Uh, Maybe we take it for granted, especially if we've lived in the islands for a long time. But Ohana means relationships it means family it's being connected with each other and it's a beautiful word it includes the nuclear family it includes um, mom and dad and kids ohana but it goes beyond that because cousins are ohana and grandkids and grandpas are ohana and not only that friends are ohana they're they're family and uh, if you're a single person, I hope you feel like you are Ohana. You're part of the relationships. The church family is just that, connected together in, in relationships. So it's such a powerful word, and I've been uh, so blessed that Pastor Mark felt led to, um, to do a series on Ohana, um, to do a series to strengthen and build relationships to develop even more so healthy relationships at every level, nuclear family, friendships, church family, all of these uh, Ohana relationships. Now, one of the essential elements, if you think about it, of healthy relationships, one that we're all involved with, is finances, money, resources. Raise your hand if you either earn money or spend money. (laughs) Obviously, we all do, right? Every family does. And I can guarantee you, where there are healthy financial practices, there's strong families. And on the other hand, where there's problems and stress and, and uh, dysfunction in, in uh, financial uh, practices, you've got stress, you've got problems in relationships. Uh, the two, uh, well, w- w- um, strong families uh, par- practice wise, strong financial practices. So that's what we want to look at this morning. We want to look at uh, how do we live and develop and even strengthen wise financial practices, actually God's financial practices, to strengthen and build and steward the resources that God has, uh, has given us. Now. This is a timely word. I don't know uh, if you, what your response is this morning. Sometimes people, oh, no, the pastor's talking about money again. Uh, I want you to see uh, God's wonderful plan for your particular financial life. And I want you to see that we live in a culture that desperately needs this, this word. Here's some of the stats. Do you realize... I'm going to have to put on my reading glasses to see this. <laughs> some of you know that uh, experience. 75% of the, of the uh, population in the U.S. live paycheck to paycheck. Seven, that's three quarters live just spending everything they earn. Okay? That ought to be a concern. Uh, and many of us, this isn't a surprise, 95% of couples have fought over finances. <laughs> finances can be a big stress in a marriage relationship. And um, statistics show that the leading uh, reason for breakup of marriages is financial stress. So uh, how important is it is in our families to practice wise, healthy financial relationships, uh, practices? Here's this one blew me away. The average 28-year-old, $66,000 in debt. That's the average. So some are worse, some are better. But um, gosh, when I think of my kids coming out of college and and when I was 28, thankfully it was, it's worse now than it's ever been. And um, we need to help our young people not get $66,000 in debt by the time they're not even out of their 20s yet. So we live in an age that needs wise financial practices. Here's another one. (laughs) This one is the average person in the US spends $1.22 for every dollar they earn. Now that's an average. But most people overspend. Most people spend more than they have in, made, and that ends up in a thing called debt, and debt is not a good thing um, overall. One final stat. 62% of the population retire with less than $10,000 a year in annual income. Okay? Almost two-thirds of our population will re- go to their retirement years when they're not making income, only making 10000 How do you live on 10000 Well, Mark and Meg, good news. We're moving in with you guys. <laughs> and you can pay the bill. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you want to have a plan that, that um, overcomes all of these unwise practices. And quite frankly, although the United States is the most prosperous nation that's ever been in human history, uh, we don't practice wise financial practices in a lot of ways. So the good news is this morning and it's always wonderful to come to the Bible because the Bible is filled with God with good news and God has good news for your financial situation. I don't know your financial situation, but I know he has good news for it. And so what we want to do this morning is we want to recognize that wise finances build strong families and here's God's vision for your finances. I hope you'll see this. Here's God's vision for your finances in one word. Freedom. He wants you to experience financial freedom. And every time I see that word, I I think of Mel Gibson's movie, one of my favorite movies, Braveheart. Remember Mel Gibson? He's riding on his horse in front of his troops and he's shouting out, and they're fighting for political freedom, but he's shouting out, freedom! Well, I want you just in, in the creativity of your mind, see Jesus riding by on a white horse this morning, shouting into your life, freedom, financial freedom. That's what I want you to experience. I want us to look at one verse that says almost it says it all <laughs> about God's desire for financial freedom in your life. It's a beautiful verse. 2 Corinthians 9 says this. This is God's vision for your finances. God, this is the word of God, this is the Bible, God will generously provide what? All you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. He will provide and increase your resources, your finances, and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Did you see freedom written all over that? First of all, freedom from worry about my needs. How many of you would like to have freedom not to worry about financial needs? Okay, be honest. You can. Re- yeah, we all would, right? He says, I will pro- generously provide all you need. He says it a second time. You will always have, you don't have to worry, you don't have to be anxious, you can be free not to worry about your financial needs. How about free to be generous? Wouldn't it be wonderful to uh, uh, just be free to bless other people, to uh, give to other people? And he says that. You will always have everything you need, and you will be able to share with others. You'll be, you know something of the joy of giving to others. Free to be generous. Here's a third one. Free to receive God's favor. He says this. God will provide, and what? He will increase your resources. I hope you'll be encouraged to know that God, you might be discouraged by your finances. Will you realize God wants to do a miracle in your finances? He wants to do a miracle in your marriage, in your parenting, in your business. He wants to do miracles in our lives. He's the God of miracles. And he wants to do financial miracles in your life. Let me just share, I could honestly spend the rest of the morning Telling you miracles God has done in my life in finances, not because I'm uh, a saint or anything like that, a saint in, you know, the the uh, we're all saints, we're all set apart to Jesus, but as some kind of super Christian, something like that. No, but, and I've I've just sought to practice the things that I'm going to share with you this morning. Let me tell you a miracle where God dropped $15,000 cash from heaven on a golden rope into my pocket. You say, whoa, how'd that happen? Well, in essence, that's what happened was in 2018, and uh, what happened, God gave me $15,000 cash that I didn't expect, that I didn't ask for. It was just a miracle. Here's how the circumstances went. Martha and I were flying to the mainland. We were actually going to have a family reunion on the mainland. We, we flew out, and my two sons happened to be in our house the next day after we'd flown out. It was a God thing. They noticed half of the house was flooded. This was the day after we left flooded with two or three inches of water before it was seeping outside. And they phoned us up and <laughs> said, Dad, your, your house is flooding. You know how it flooded? I never would have believed this unless it actually happened to us. You know that little metal uh, 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 tube on your toilet, little metal hose on your toilet? Maybe ne- never noticed before. Well, ours had sprung a leak. It's a metal hose, but it had sprung a leak. All my life I've never had that thing spring a leak, but it sprung a leak when we weren't there and the water seeped out and seeped over half of the house, we have laminate floors. <laughs> you know what water does to laminate floors, right? It just destroys them because it's like chipboard. Okay, so Mark and Eric happened to be in the house, and they, they found the leak, they turned off the water, and they swept up the water they could. They were flying out that, the, the next day for the family reunion, so the water just, you know, the wet, the damnedness sat there for 10 days till we got home. But Went to the insurance company, and uh, that's why you have house insurance, right? They came in and they said, "Look, it's gonna." They did their estimate. It's gonna cost twenty-three thousand dollars to fix this. Uh, had to take up, rip up the flooring, you know, put in new flooring, and and uh, the water had seeped into the drywall, so I had to re- redo some of the drywall. All all of this fixing, all the water damage, twenty-three thousand dollars for a contractor to do. Well, I looked at that and I thought, you know what? I think. I could do it for less than $23,000. And uh, I'm not a particular handyman, but um, I could rip up all the uh, stuff and cut off the the drywall that needed to be cut off. So I did all the excavation work and and saved that money. And then um, I, I used to, before my back surgery, I used to be able to do flooring, but that was actually before my back surgery. But I thought, you know, Pastor Mark, I don't know if you don't know this, he might not want me to tell you, he's really good building stuff. And so I hired him and his friend to do my floors again, and I paid him like two bucks an hour. No, I didn't. I paid him him more than that. I paid him a fair wage, and he was happy to do it. So he made some money. I paid him to do it. And long story short, uh, we decided not to uh, uh, take out our our, uh, bathroom cabinets. They just had a little bit of damage. It wasn't a big deal. Someday if we sell the house, I'll probably put in new cabinets. But it wasn't urgent. All to say, it cost me... Uh, $7,000 to get everything fixed, just doing it ourselves. We bought the materials, didn't have to pay a contractor. So the insurance company, they were happy to write me a check for 23000 and I paid um, 8000 and it was $15,000 went into my pocket. And I said, I should give this money back to the insurance company. No way! <laughs> I said, thank you, God, for blessing me. And, um, you know, that's why you pay house insurance. By the way, sometimes you have to claim it but it was just something where God deposited $15,000 that I wasn't counting on in my life. It was his blessing. I'll tell you another quick one. I could tell you many more of these kinds of miracles. Um, 2010, we just planted New Hope Kailua, and some of you have been around since the beginning. Remember, we had the big truck uh, because we were meeting in the um, uh, intermediate school, and we had to uh, turn a cafeteria into a sanctuary, and so we had a big truck, and we stored all our sound equipment and our staging and our chairs and everything like that, and we also had a van. Actually, it was a, a, a smaller van that had been donated to the church when we planted the church. So we had those vehicles uh, belong to the church, and there was this young guy from uh, living in Waimanalo. He was like 19 years old. He'd just been out of college. His girlfriend had brought him to church. he just brought come to faith in Christ. And he was trying to get his life together. And uh, As I met him, he'd he'd had a horrendous background, horrendous family life, gotten into trouble with the law, gotten into trouble with drugs. But he met Jesus, and he was trying to get his life, and he just got his first job in Enchanted Lakes at the movie theaters. But he had a real bummer because he had to take the bus to work. (laughs) And, um, you know, that's a humbug kind of thing. Now, if you have to take the bus, you have to but this young guy, seeking the Lord, growing uh, in his faith, and the Lord just said to me, he said, Rick, you need to give your car to him. Now, I was driving a 1996 Saturn. This was in 2010. It was paid for. It was solid vehicle, dependable, <laughs> safe. But the Lord said, you, you need to give him your car so he has transportation, and you can drive the church van. It wasn't honestly a big sacrifice. Martha had her car. She got to work. But the church van just sat there all week, and it was insurance. So I could drive the church van, no problem, just around Kailua. So I gave this young man my 1996 Saturn. I think it was three, four months later, I got a phone call from a guy who lives about six blocks over here, who I've never met before. He had my phone number. He says, uh, are your name, is your name Rick Stinton." I said, well, last time I checked, let me see my name tag. <laughs> and I said, yes. And he says, I have a car for you. I said, what? He says, I have a car for you. He says, I advertised my car in Craigslist, and this person uh, came over and looked at it and paid me cash for it and told me to call you and didn't want, them, didn't want you to know who it was, but it's your car. Just come sign the deed. It's like God dropped this car out of heaven on a golden rope. And guess what? I gave up a Saturn. This is the way God operates. I gave a 96 Saturn. This was a 2004 Toyota Camry. <laughs> More Bigger car, nicer car. And um, God upgraded my ride and just dropped in. An... To this day, I don't know. It might have been an angel from heaven dropped in and gave him the cash. All I know is I went over and I picked up... A, a 2004 toyota camry was a nice vehicle um god does miracles and um, i could tell you more but there's he wants to show us his favor and part of walking in financial freedom is the opportunity for him to do miracles in his life one final one so he wants to bring us to be free from worry about needs free to be generous uh oh and by the way um One of the wonderful ways to be generous with anybody, but um, isn't it wonderful to be generous with your family? So I told you 2018, we had a family reunion on the mainland, and I, grandpa and grandma, were able to say, hey, my kids, I got kids in Vancouver, I got kids in California, two sets here. I'll pay for the tickets, I'll pay for the place we're going to stay, and we'll just have a vacation together, a family reunion. It was a blast. It was a memory, a lifetime of memories. And and we were able to do that as Grandpa and Grandma. Oh, and if you come to the conference, I'll tell you how you can get free airplane tickets. I will, because most of our airplane tickets were were covered. I didn't have to purchase them. So there's some ways that we can learn to um, receive God's blessings in a variety of ways. But it's a wonderful thing to be generous with family. It's a wonderful thing to be generous with people in need. It's a wonderful thing to be generous with friends. Uh, It's called the joy of giving. Remember what Jesus said? It is better to give than to receive. There's a joy in giving. So these are all the freedoms that God wants in your financial plan. He wants to do miracles in your life, and that's his plan. Now, here's a key insight. (laughs) And uh, if you have notes, uh, I put asterisks around this. Don't miss this. Financial freedom is not determined by your income. Some of you are already thinking, yeah, I'd love to be financial free, but I'm going to have to make six figures to do that. It's not determined by your income. It's determined, catch this, by your financial plan, by your financial plan, all right? So you can be making $40,000 or you can make $400,000. You can make $40,000 and experience financial freedom. You can experience $400,000 and be under huge financial stress. It's not related to how much your income is. That ought to encourage us because most of us don't make 400 grand. Um, but uh, if you do, God bless you, uh, even with, with increasing more of your resources. And He can do that, all right? So please be encouraged. It's really true, and uh, we can talk about uh, just why that's true. But the reason many people don't experience financial freedom is they just don't have a financial plan. And that's what I want us to get on the road of this morning and, and follow through with some details at our workshop. Um, God's financial plan. So, developing a wise financial plan. Decide to follow God's plan. You might have thought, I didn't know that God had a financial plan. Where is God's financial plan? Take a look in the book. <laughs> Take a look. This is much more than a financial management plan, but it has God's wisdom about managing our finances, our marriages, our parenting, our relationships, our everything. Okay, and uh, it is packed with wisdom about God's uh, financial plan for our lives. We take a look at the book, and so a couple of verses to encourage us to do that. One is, where there, this is Proverbs 29:18. where there is no revelation, where God hasn't revealed himself, people cast off restraint. People just do their own thing. And in the financial arena, it often ends up in a real mess, when they just do their own thing. They're, they're not aware of God's revelation. God has revealed his wisdom about finances. Um, but blessed is the one who what heeds wisdom and instruction god has given us wisdom and instruction and his word and you will be blessed your life will be enriched if you not just listen to it but actually obey it and follow god's wisdom and his instruction and many of us can testify in various ways about why that's real and that's true one other verse The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What's it talking about, being afraid of God? No, perfect love casts out fear. It's talking about such an awe, such a reverence for the living God of the universe who owns everything that we actually obey his word, that we actually follow his instruction. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So people who just disregard or ignore or are ignorant about God's instruction about their finances, it's foolish. That's not you. (laughs) That's not you this morning. You're not going to be a fool. You're going to be a person who learns and starts to live or relive. Maybe for some of us, we've known these things, but we've stopped practicing them. Some of us, it might be the very first time, or some of us were struggling to practice them, and and we're going to encourage one another to take those steps that will bring greater measures of financial freedom and and God's favor and blessing into our lives. So it starts with God's word, and I want to just give you an overview. Sometimes a, uh, a a picture is worth a thousand words, okay? So here's a picture, a chart, if you will, that, uh, will, that contrasts the world's financial plan with God's financial plan. And um, here's the world's financial plan. You earn your money. That's how you get your money. Most of us, um, we go to a job and we, we earn an income. And then we live our lifestyle. We pay our bills. We enjoy that. We... You know, and that's going out to restaurants, whatever, buying birthday gifts. We pay our bills, and we we live our lifestyle. And then if we've got some debt, and chances are, for one reason or another, we've racked up some debt, we uh, try and pay that debt off. And uh, most of us, if if we're wise, want to try and get out of debt as soon as we can. But some of us struggle with it for a while, okay? And then uh, if there's any money after we've paid off some of our debt, well, then we should be thinking about a savings plan. Maybe we should save some money. And then at the very bottom of the list, <laughs> if there's any money left over, then I'll give it. Maybe I'll give it to God. Maybe I'll give it to someone in need. Uh, you know, I hear about needs in Maui. Maybe I'll give it to yeah, help some people there. But it's sort of at the bottom of the list. It's the, the leftovers, okay? That's generally speaking, and I, I know we're speaking in generalizations, but that's basically how the world's financial, most people in the world practice their finances, Contrast that, and I'm giving you an overview here of God's wisdom with finances. It starts off God's financial plan. You earn your money. That's how you get your money. You you work and you get an income. You have your money. But catch this. Then you give first to God. Now, most of us have heard that in church. It's not always easy to practice, but the Bible says you give first to God. That makes it right there an act of faith and an act of worship, okay? You have to trust God that you're going to have enough money at the end of the month for all the other stuff that you're responsible for, paying for your family, paying for your food, paying for your vehicle to get to work, all of those kinds of things. But it starts with an act of faith where you give first to God, and then catch this. Secondly, you save. You put some money away. That's God's wisdom, not at the bottom of the list. And you say, well, I can't do that. Can I just say this at the beginning? Most of you are going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm tracking with you, Pastor Rick, except I just don't have money to, to save or to give. Um, unless we cancel lunch and we all stay in here for a couple of hours, and I know that would disappoint a lot of you, including me. I want to have some lunch. Please come to the workshop because in 40 minutes, I will guarantee you that you, and I don't know your financial circumstances at all, and I won't ask for them, but I will guarantee you that I will help you find Money to give and to save. It's there. You just don't know how to find it. And I had people help me find it. So it could be the most important thing you do today. Come for 40 minutes, maybe 50, and, and, and I will show you practically how you can find money because that's going to be your objection. You're going to say, it's a great plan. I know it's from the Bible, but I, I just don't know how to, to, to find money in my budget to, to give to God and to save. And so that very practically, we'll look at that. But this is God's plan. Earn the money, give first to God, save. And then if you do have debt, then you repay that debt. And one of the things we'll look at in the workshop is how to dig out of debt faster. What what are effective ways to get out of debt if you're already in debt? And again, uh, I'm not going to ask you for your personal things. I'm just going to share some truths about things I've learned. And a lot of what I've learned, uh, any of you heard the name Dave Ramsey? Dave Ramsey, a few of you have. Brilliant guy, Christian guy, makes his living teaching people biblical practices, whether they're Christians or not. Uh, I've learned a lot from from Dave Ramsey. He's like a financial biblical guru. And so some of the what I'm passing on. Oh, by the way, did I tell you the workshop is free? <laughs> because Dave Ramsey and I love his ministry. It's not cheap. If you sign up for one of Dave Ramsey's courses, it's well worth it. But it's lots of money. <laughs> Check it out. Um, uh, we're happy to pass on what we've learned, uh, and and some of that from Dave Ramsey for sure. But here's the point: there's such a contrast. And so you repay debts if you have them, and at the end of your list, then you live your lifestyle. You pay your bills, you enjoy the funds that you have, but you live within your means. You don't spend a dollar twenty-two when you make a dollar, and uh, so. What, what strikes me when I look at this is, do you see the opposite with the, or the, uh, the world's plan? Giving is at the bottom, then saving, then repaying, then your lifestyle. But with God's plan, giving's at the top, <laughs> and saving's the next one, and then repaying debts, and then your lifestyle is at the end. It's, that shouldn't surprise us. God's ways are not our ways, and God's ways require faith. So with that big picture, and the time we have... Um, Before lunch, (laughs) I want to share with you three key um, ways in which you can experience God's wisdom in your finances, three steps that you can take towards that goal of financial freedom, all right? Here's the first one. Give first to the Lord. Now, most of us already know that. The scripture says, honor the Lord with your wealth. How do you honor God? You give to him first. You don't give to him the leftovers at the end of the month. You give to him first. In order to do that, you're going to have to make a cash flow plan, and we'll get there. But um, you give first to the Lord the first fruits of all your crops. For Israel, that was their income. They were an agricultural nature. We get a paycheck. Not most of us are growing wheat or, you know, uh, uh, crops. But when you get your paycheck, you give the first to the Lord, and then look at God's promise to you. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing You'll have enough to give, overflowing your giving to others, and uh, your vats will brim over. Again, overflow, you'll have an abundance uh, for your blessing, for others' blessings as well. That's proverb. Now, why should you give first to the Lord, okay? Why should you give first to the Lord? Here's a little quiz for you. I hope you can read that. Um, a, he needs the money, okay? God's a little short of cash, and he needs your money. B. The church is a worthy cause. Okay, it's a good cause and it's worthy of support. Three. The church has practical needs to operate. Someone's got to pay the bill, including the pastor getting a haircut. Uh, Jason mentioned about a car. He doesn't really need a car. I'll let you know <laughs> whether you need, I actually love his long hair. But anyway, the point is, you know, the church has practical needs: operating expenses, staff, uh, rent. Um, Missionaries to support, and so someone's got to step up and meet those practical needs. And um, so that's why you should give first to the Lord. Or fourthly, it shows appreciation for services received. In other words, it's just great grateful. Yeah, this is a a group that's uh, helping my family, caring for my kids, uh, feeding me lunch. Uh, all of these. So it's you know it's uh, appreciation. So I'll give some money. It's a little bit kind of like uh, you know giving a tip when you go to a restaurant and you you pay for the meal you pay for the services rendered uh, i like the story of a couple who was driving home after church on a given sunday and uh, this was not a new hope kailua couple but the uh, the parents were kind of complaining they were going through their litany of complaints from the church service and the dad was saying to the family yeah you know the the pastor went kind of long in the sermon this morning it was yeah kind of long long-winded sermon and uh, the wife pitched in, and she said, yeah, and the worship team seemed a little bit off in key. I think the worship leader wasn't quite on target with with the notes uh, he was singing, and little Johnny's in the backseat, and he's listening to mom and dad complain, and he, he finally gets tired of all their complaints, and so he says, well, what did you expect for 10 bucks? He had that thought, well, you know, mom and dad threw 10 bucks in the offering, and and you know, because it was sort of like... We came to be served, and it wasn't a great service, so they only gave, (laughs) okay, maybe that's why we should give first to the Lord. I think you all know none of those are the right answers, and if you've ever had any of those thoughts, you need to realize it's none of the above. It's got nothing. When you give to God, obviously God doesn't need (laughs) your money. He created the universe. He owns everything. Um, The church is a worthy cause, but there's nothing in the Bible about supporting a worthy cause, interestingly enough. The church has practical needs to operate, but that's not why we give. There's one reason why we give, one true reason, and that's this. God desires your heart. So it's none of those things, and perhaps for some of us this morning, it's just reorienting, saying, why do we give? These are the real reasons why the scriptures tell us we give to God, and actually, I've got three of for of you this morning. The number one is God desires your heart. Now, that might be the breakthrough for you this morning. Why does God want you to give first to him? It's a love offering. He is the lover. He has demonstrated his perfect, wonderful love for you. And what does a lover do? It look, He looks, she looks for the response of love from the person that they love. And so God looks on your heart and he says, does he, does she love me in a way that gives back to me something I've given to them with gratitude, with love and appreciation. Jesus put it this way. For where your treasure is, where you put your money, your heart will be also. What he's saying is, where you spend your money shows your values, shows what you care for, shows what you think is important. And if you throw a nickel into the offering, what are you saying to God? Eh, I don't really think, think that much of you. <laughs> Honestly, Okay, you're not honoring God, giving him the leftovers. But when you give him the first, And you give him the best, you're saying, God, this is a love offering. Everything I I have comes from you. I want to love you with my first love. And you're the one who's given me the job. You're the one who's given me health, strength, education. Everything I have comes from you. And I want to give back something just out of gratitude and love. And yes, thank you most of all for the love that Jesus has shown for me. It's changed my eternity. And out of that love, God is looking for your heart. He doesn't need anything from you, and um, he doesn't institute giving as a practical way to support the church. Now, does it support the church? Yes, but that's not the reason. The reason you give to the Lord is simply out of love for him. We see this in 2 Corinthians when Paul commends the the, uh, Christians in the Greek churches, in the churches in Macedonia, and he said, they were poor, but they gave generously, and Paul says, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord. It was out of them giving themselves to God that they gave their finances. And because they loved God, they were glad, even in their poverty, to give generously. But it was out of their love for the Lord. They gave themselves first to the Lord. That's huge. Because our motivation, our attitude towards giving is crucial. And this is what God says. He says, I desire your heart. I have loved you, says Jesus, with my first love. I have given you my everything. And I'm looking for men and women who respond to that love by giving me their best, by giving me their first, not the leftovers. All right, so there's number one. Why does God want me to give first to Him? He desires my heart. It's a love relationship. But secondly, and we've mentioned this, God calls me to live by faith. Every area of my life, my marriage, my parenting, my business, and yes, my finances. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so when you give to God first from your income, you're exercising faith. You're trusting that there will be enough, that God will provide. You're not just leaving it to a financial plan that you figured out, and there might be some leftover to give to God. No, you're saying, God, I'm giving to you first, and I'm trusting you. I'm believing in you. And it becomes an act of faith and worship. Thirdly, God wants me to be like Jesus, okay? There's another reason to give first to the Lord. God wants me to be like Jesus. Jesus is the model, the epitome, the essence of generosity. And he wants us to be generous. And um, so a couple of verses speak to this. Romans 8, 29 talks about the fact that God's highest, uh, his, his overall purpose for your life is to make you like Jesus. He wants you to be like his son. That's his overall purpose. Jesus is... The epitome of generosity. He's the one who gave his life. He gave himself fully. And uh, Paul puts it this way. And again, in the context of teaching Christians about giving, he says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, rich beyond measure. In his heavenly splendor. In his heavenly wealth, if you will. Yet for your sake he became poor. He came to the planet. He lived as a peasant. They crucified him without a shirt on his back he gave everything. He gave his life. He suffered on the, sin, on the cross for your sins and mine and rose from the dead. He became poor so that you, through what? His poverty might become rich. And Paul has um, much more in mind than just physical riches. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Unimaginable spiritual wealth because of Jesus' love for us. And so, God says, okay, here's Rick, I'd like him to be a little bit more like Jesus, let's teach him to be generous, because Jesus is above all generous, and uh, if you knew me, or talked to my wife, you knew, most marriages, um, many marriages, uh, one of the spouses is sort of the, the, um, the, the caretaker, and the other one is the giver, okay, in ours, I'm the caretaker, I'm the one who wants to make sure the, the, the uh, checkbook balances at the end of the month, and I'm good with numbers, okay. Martha's the one, if we go to the mall, she wants to buy something just to bless somebody else. And I'm saying, the one saying, is that in this month's budget? Okay, so there's all often just opposites attract, right? But uh, I am so tight that when I wink, my navel moves. And um, so God has to do a work in me to make me more generous. And he's done a little bit. He's got a lot more work to do, okay? You may be the generous one in your life in your family, I'm the one who has to learn more generosity, but that's part of what God wants to do. Rick, learn to be generous and um, Jesus is generous. I want you to be like my son. So those are three biblical three reasons, three uh, reasons from God's word, why He wants us to give first out of love for Him, to give him our heart, Yes, as an act of faith because it requires that, and so that God would have His ways in me to make me more generous. That's why I give first and foremost to the Lord. So how should I give to the Lord? Okay, Another little quiz for you. You can answer this. How should I give to the Lord? Well, I should give the largest bill I have in my wallet on a given Sunday unless I need to go out for lunch that day. Is that how I give? Um, and, and you know maybe that's been your practice. I hope you will be stirred to more than that. On occasion, how should I give to the Lord? On occasion, when I feel convicted. I mean, when the spirit moves and I'm feeling generous, that's when I should give to the Lord. That's not the right answer either. We're looking at what the Bible teaches, okay? Or how about I should give to the Lord when I have enough money, when I get out of debt. Okay, I'm under stress right now, but the day will come where I can give. And for a lot of people, that day never arrives because they never practice the principles to take them to financial freedom. So that's not the right answer either. Should you be giving to God if you're in debt? Yes, you should. You give first. I don't see, see any Bible that says give first to the Lord unless you've got some bills to pay. You give first to the Lord, and you work out as part of your cash flow plan how to get out of debt. But you give first and honor the Lord. I should give, and here's the correct answer, as a regular part of my life of worship, a regular rhythm of my life of worship, my life that all belongs to God, and it's part of my, my uh, giving myself totally, to the Lord. So uh, we've already mentioned. What does that look like? How do I give? Well, give the for God the first of my income. We've already talked about that principle. But here's some other wisdom principles from God's Word. Remember, this is God's wisdom. Give to God regularly. Give it as a rhythm of your life, as a pattern of your life. Not when you feel convicted, or once in a while, you know, just or whatever's left in your wallet on a given Sunday. No. Make it part of your entire lifestyle. Paul says it this way to the church in Corinth and to the church in New Hope Kailua, although I wouldn't interpret this legalistically as sort of every week, but he says, on the first day of every week, I would interpret that regularly. Each one of you, what? I thought it was just for the people that were wealthy or, or didn't have debt. No. Each one of you, all of us have the opportunity to honor God this way, should set aside a sum of money, What? In keeping with your income, now we'll come to a second principle there, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. We won't have to make a big special appeal, but make this part of your regular. Some people I know like to give weekly. Some like to give twice a month because their income comes in twice a month. I know people in business who like to give whenever, you know, if they're in real estate, whenever that sale happens. It may not be every week, but when that sale happens, they give out of that. Just give regularly as part of your a heart of worship and and, uh, gratitude and love for Jesus. So give to God regularly, and then give to God proportionately to my income. That's what it says, in keeping with your income. God doesn't ask you to give what you don't have. If you have a smaller income, you have the opportunity to honor God by giving sacrificially. Do you realize that? See, I'm a student. I don't have any money, or I have very limited money. But even if you give a little bit out of what you have, It might mean that you're giving sacrificially. It might mean that you can't go to Starbucks that week because you gave that money to God. And so you're actually going without something. Now, are you starving to death? No. But you're putting God first over some needs or some wants, uh, and and you're honoring God with that. And you're giving sacrificially. If you have a larger income, you can give generously from your larger income. And here's one of the... I've met folks whose church background teaching has been You know, tithes, 10%. God says every Christian should give 10%. A couple of fallacies with that. If you actually read the entire New Testament, there was more than one tithe. It was never just 10%. There were three tithes. So you were always to give more than, and there were free will offerings on top of that, okay? So that's not a big deal, but uh, just don't get narrow-minded or legalistic about a 10% thing. Somebody can be giving 5% and be giving sacrificially. Somebody can be giving 40%, and they're living off of hundreds of thousands of dollars and they're not giving sacrificially and, and God is honored by sacrificial giving, okay? So the point is this, give to God proportionally to your income. Whatever you work out your cash flow plan and, and seek to be generous towards him and, and he will honor that, but proportionate to your income. Third, for, uh, number four, give to God cheerfully. Again, this goes back to the heart of the matter and Paul says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, Not reluctantly, not under obligation, not because the pastor said you should be doing this, but simply out of love for God, for God loves a cheerful giver. God looks in your heart, and he sees your gratitude, and he sees your love, and when you release that to him uh, cheerfully, with cheer in your heart, um, it pleases him. Just like those of us that are married, you know, when when our kids give us a little gift, I remember I've got a t-shirt at home, I've kept all these years... uh, the t-shirt's probably worth like 2 bucks, but Steve gave it to me on a Father's Day when he was like 3rd grade and that's a treasure to me. It's worth 2 bucks, but you know what? It was a kid coming, "Dad, look what I have for you," like a $2 t-shirt, and yet it it blesses my heart as a dad cuz I don't I don't need his t-shirts, I don't need his money, but I love his love and I love his gratitude. And that's all that God is. He's our Father who looks at our heart and he says, "I love it when my kids give cheerfully after I've blessed them so well." So, Principle number one, wise finances, seeking financial freedom, follow God's wisdom, follow God's plan, follow God's instruction, give first to the Lord. Secondly, save for the future. Save for the future. Go to the ant, says the Bible, God's word. What an ant? How big is an ant? And how big is an ant's brain? Well, an ant is smarter than a lot of people, right? Because they know to have a savings plan. A lot of people don't have a savings plan. God says, go to the ant, consider its ways, and be wise. An ant is wise. Why? It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, no one telling it what to do, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. It knows how to gather, how to work, and how to store for the future. It has a savings plan. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. He has no savings plan, so... Second thing, be wise, give to God first, and then have a savings plan. What do you save for? Well, you save for expected expenses, okay? Some people get themselves messed up. Christmas comes. Do you know how expensive... Now, Christmas is wonderful. I love Christmas. And I say, more grandchildren, please, God, to buy for it. No more kids at this point. But you know what? It's it's wonderful to enjoy Christmas, to be generous at Christmas. But a lot of people... Fall under all of this family pressure and sometimes cultural pressure from their culture to give all these gifts they can't afford, and then they're in debt, and then they're digging out of debt for the rest of the year. It's not a good plan. So save some money for Christmas. (laughs) That's an expected expense. Or for a vacation. Don't just go on vacation and spend $1.22 for every dollar you make and then, again, end up in debt. This is why a lot of people don't have a plan, and they end up making a mess of their finances. But have a savings plan, put some money away, For expected expenses or a wedding. (laughs) If you've got a daughter or these days a son and, you know, the day will come, you might want to put some money away for a wedding to celebrate with. There are things that you can expect to happen. So you have a savings plan for that. Then there are unexpected expenses. Your kid needs braces. (laughs) Uh, um, Or uh, I had one a couple years ago where uh, my tooth died, whatever, and I needed an implant. You know how expensive those things are? And and I have... (laughs) I have dental insurance, but, uh, you know, I didn't expect to have to uh, have a, 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 an implant in my uh, teeth. Um, things you don't expect, your you, a car accident or your, um, your appliance breaks down, things that, you know, an emergency fund, that's one reason to have a savings plan. And then finally, retirement expenses. And uh, you want to be able to enter into retirement with funds to know that you don't have to be dependent on others. You don't have to to be dependent on your family. And so a a savings plan helps you do that. One quick note, and people like Dave Ramsey are huge with this. Note the magic of compound interest. Compound interest is if you put money away early and let it just sit there over time, or if you add to it a little bit over time, you end up with a ton of money. That's the simple principle. And I won't take the time right now to, to give you some stats, but maybe in the workshop I will, where you can, you know... It went something like this. If you're, if you're 30 years old and you put down $3,000, that's not a small amount of money, but maybe you can afford $3,000. You put that down now and you leave it for, till you retire, that $3,000 turns into $126,000. And um, so I told my kids when I saw that, you know, it's too late for me, I'm not 30 anymore, but if I was 30, I'd try and f- scrape up three grand and put it in, an, in uh, an investment thing with compound interest And there are, I know this personally because I had someone help me find, there are ways to save that that protects against even the loss of as the market fluctuates, okay? Um, Another thing I can share with you um, at at the workshop. But compound interest, if you can put a little money away now and let it sit there over time, you end up with a big chunk of money for your retirement. That's a good thing. That's a wise thing. So number one, give regularly to God and uh, first to the Lord. Number two, save. Save for the future, for all of these things. Learn from the ant. Little tiny critter, but he's really wise, and he has God's wisdom. He has a savings plan. Number three, make a cash flow plan. Now, what's a cash flow plan? It's the B word for some of us. Budget. Oh, I hate budget. Yeah, I heard a groan over here. Hate budget. But you know what a cash flow plan is? It's, um, well, the technical, the the, uh, the, the dictionary defines a... a, um, a budget this way. A budget is simply, or a, uh, it's an itemized summary of estimated income and expenses. And I have a form you can use in the workshop. You, you keep good records and you, you see, okay, this is how much I spend on each one of these categories. The in, most of us don't know where our money went. You know, they say money has legs. I don't know where it went. Money has wings. It flew away. I, I, I don't know what happened to it because you don't have a financial plan, you don't have a budget. And it takes some time, and it takes a little work, but it's well worthwhile. Put your budget together. Put into your budget, giving first to the Lord, a savings plan. Figure out all the other things, and then and we're going to look in detail about how you can make your budget work and make it work for you. So a cash flow fl- plan, John Maxwell put it this way. It's, a, it's simply telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went, <laughs> You take control, and I'm going to tell my money where it's going to go for my plan instead of where did it all go, what happened to it. That's the value of a cash flow plan. Now, I mentioned to you earlier, and we're going to pray and be a pal for now. If you can stay for the workshop, uh, I'd I'd just love to share with you. This is what we're going to do in our workshop. Three things, how to make a cash flow plan, and I've got a form that you can help uh, do that. Uh, If you're married, you need to do it together. If you're married, you need to do it together. One of you might be better with figuring out numbers and stuff like that. You take the initiative to do that, but both of you have to be involved. It's got to be something you do together. Uh, if you're single, it's one of the best things you can do to get prepared for the day where God may call you, be called you to be married. And, uh, so that when you get married, your finances aren't in a mess, um, but they're in a healthy place. And then um, thirdly, so how to make a cash flow plan. Secondly, how to find money in my budget to give and to save. I will guarantee you that I will help you find money in your budget so that you can give and that you can save. And if I can't help you, you get a refund on tuition, which is zero, so figure that one out. I'm confident I'll be able to help you, and I'll share some of my own experience where I learned to find money to give and to save. And then finally, how to get out of debt, some principles I learned from Dave Ramsey that'll jet fuel you out of that position. So you, as soon as you're out of debt, you have more funds to do what you want to do, to give, to save, to be generous, all of those kinds of things. One final thought, and we're powerful this morning. Many of you know the Bible verse, Malachi 3.10. I think it's uh, one of the pastor's first uh, choices passages. But beyond, um, you know, pastors liking to preach that verse about giving, it's God saying this, Malachi 3.10, test me in this. Test me in this. Put me to the test. That's amazing because we're told in the rest of the scriptures not to put God to the test, but to trust him, to obey him, not to test him. God says himself, test me in this, in your financial plan. Test me in this. Try it. And, and see if I don't come through for you. See if I don't open the gate. He's waiting, <laughs> wanting to do miracles in your financial life, and um, uh, he wants to show you his favor. He wants you to know all of those freedoms, the freedom to be generous, the freedom of, of uh, not worrying about bills, the freedom of, of um, experiencing his favor and him increasing your resources because he trusts you to do the right thing with them, all of those kinds of things. So test God in this. We're going to pray and uh, conclude our service and then do uh, grab some lunch. And then if you can join us, we're going to meet right up here and we'll continue with the worship, workshop. Father, we bow before you. Thank you that you are our loving Heavenly Father who delights to give good gifts to His children. Thank you for your generosity towards us. We live in the the most prosperous nation that's ever existed on this planet, Lord. We give you thanks for that, but we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help us steward the abundance that you've given each one of us, that you would help us to take steps through your wisdom and your revelation into a financial freedom that you have for each one of us. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you most of all for our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be forever grateful for being your sons and your daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, folks. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. And shine his face.